0: Hi, and welcome to our channel. Hi, welcome. Today we're going to do some five-minute makes. So this week, we thought we'd make a podcast. Oh, wonderful. How do we do that? Well, obviously, the thing we always go for first, the glue gun. Oh, the glue gun works at everything. Absolutely. Nothing you can't make without a gl- with a glue gun. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, some skits, we're going to iron those so they all stick together, Ooh. and then we're just going to glue them to this phone case. Oh, I see. Look how delightful that is. Oh, wonderful! Right now, the next thing we need to add just a a few things that we've played, watched, and listened to. Oh, we just sprinkle them on and use the hot glue to make them stick. Absolutely, we get some real texture in there with the hot glue. Also, you can make some amazing earrings with the leftovers. Oh, and then how about this? We'll add some uh, some queer trans ladies. Oh, wonderful! wonderful. Love the multiple coloured hair on those. And then we'll just get all those in there. They're a bit more hot glue. Oh, make sure you don't burn the queer trans, ladies. Definitely don't burn them, but, you know, unless they're into that. Ooh. I mean, I'm not one to kink shame. Anyway, there it is. Look at that wonderful. Oh, some of the bits are dropping off already, but that's probably fine. This has been 5 Minute Makes, and we've made a podcast. Yay. Greetings,
1: strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Cade Dale, and I'm not Jane Harris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans ladies have a chat about the media we have consumed in our weeks, and do silly voices and skits, and just have a bit of a catch up and amuse ourselves That's a us. bit. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm sleepy. It's okay. Soon we we we're we're taking some time off. Soon we're gonna have some sounds re- fake. Yeah, I know. Like, the two of us taking time off at the same time? What even is that? Taking time off full stop. I, n- I don't remember the last time I took time off. Probably the the same weekend we booked off last year. Probably then. <laughs> not only is it time that we've booked off, it's time we've booked off that we're not planning to just spend working on something different from our usual exactly. work. Exactly. So last year we had a lovely, like, four or five days away in a nice in a sunny field. Uh, field. And we can't go enjoy that nice sunny field this year, but... Okay. Yeah, at the time. Also, given the temperatures, I think we would roast to death sleeping yeah, in a van. Yeah, I think, I think um, having a bed and a fan is going to be very uh, appreciated compared to mm-hmm. our festival sleeping plans. And there. access to a cold bath. Oh, gosh, yeah. Just have a cold shower in the middle of the day. oh uh, So we've decided to just... The thing we were going to do, we're just going to do it at home, which also means the ability to sleep in and not have to... Or, to just... Have some restful time. And much shorter queues for the toilet. Oh, that's going to be lovely. And, <laughs> and Al- we'll flush the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> l- considerably less pee on the floor, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't, you know, I'll I'll have less worries about trying to pee in a onesie. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's it's going to be great. It is. So... This week we have consumed media in the we way have. that we do. We consume media. One nom, 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 nom. Nom, nom. of the categories of media is things we played? It is one of the categories of things that we played. What have you what have you played this week? We played a new tiny epic game. <gasps> we did. We played Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. I the not get on the flop Tiny Epic Dinosaur.
0: Heck. Yeah,
1: it's a a, a a little tiny board game in a tiny box. It's a little game box. With all sorts of itty-bitty tiny thing. little wooden dinosaurs. 75 tiny wooden dinosaurs. They're adorable and they're tiny. They are. Ah. Uh, the people who make Tiny Epic, what, what's the company's name? Gamelin Games. G- Gamelin Games. They make really good tiny box games. Mm-hmm. Like, they make stuff that very easy to just chuck in a bag. Mm-hmm. It's not very heavy. Yep.
0: And, like, all of them have been so different. And
1: also, like, they unfold a lot. Yes, they do. <laughs> like, it is a small box, but, like, tiny epic dinosaurs can easily take up a large percentage of a table. They, they know how to make use of a small amount of space to do a lot with. They tend to be like modular boards based on like oversized cards. Yeah, they might have different things on the front and back. For example, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs uh, is a uh, worker placement game. Yeah, and depending on how many players you have, you might flip over the board and it will give you like an extended version of things, so that there's more spaces for like four-player games yeah. and stuff. The the general idea is you have a little grid-based farm on a piece of card in front of you, and you've got to fill it up with dinosaurs. you got to send your workers to various places to collect, like, resources to feed the dinosaurs, fences to fence in the dinosaurs, um, and then eventually, if you get enough of the correct types of dinosaurs, you can cash them in for points. Basically, um, you're fulfilling co- contracts. People yeah. are going, I want two Stegosauruses and a Brachiosaurus. Yeah. There's a couple of, like, specific rules to this game. Like... Uh, You cannot have two types of dinosaur within the same enclosure, so you've got to make Mm -hmm. sure they're walled off. Uh, There are consequences if you don't have enough food to feed all of them. Yep. Some Um, of them will escape, some of them will eat the herbivores. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, It's an interesting little worker placement game, isn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting, and, like we've i think the only other worker placement game we've got is um Lords, Lords of, of Lords Waterdeep. Deep. Yeah. And it it manages to be very very different. It's suitably different. Um there's there's a lot more things you have to be thinking about at once with this, I think. Yeah. It, um, it doesn't help that it's played in like seven phases per round and six rounds total. Yeah. There's a lot of strategy that needs yeah. to go in there. So things that make this different for something like say Lords of Waterdeep. The obvious thing up front is there is a limit to how many resources you can collect. Yes. Um, and you have to keep that in mind. Because there's things like... Uh, you've got a dice that you can roll when you're trying to g- get a new dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it might have negative impacts on it. But it might also give you an extra of that dinosaur. Which it's is... going could be a bad thing. That could be great. Or that could be a bad thing. When suddenly it's like, oh no, I have too many dinosaurs. I can't feed them. Oh no. Um, equally, if you put two dinosaurs in an enclosure together, they will breed. Like, it's very easy to suddenly have no space for things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Th- there's, there's a few interesting things about this game, for sure. Um, one thing that I don't necessarily think is, is great about it, and it's my only like real complaint I keep thinking about, mm. is there is a real, real tangible benefit to going first, because... Every person's in- every player's enclosure has three empty spaces that need to be fenced off before you can have any dinosaurs, or they're just going to run away. And whoever goes first has an open shot at ah, I can send sing- send a single worker. Uh, you've everyone's got one worker each round that, that is worth double points mm. that they can go send. To, like if you're going first, put your double person on the fen- the double fence space. I got four fences that'll sort me out. It's a good start. It's. I think it is the correct first move. And it sucks that there is a... Ah, if you go first, there is a correct first move. I
0: guess, yeah. It's... Um,
1: yeah. Like I would imagine that, that you will find different... There has to be different strategies around yeah. that, because you can play it in three and four player, well, and there's only one of those... That's what I was thinking about, is that, like, that's going to suck if you... Because here's the thing, in two player, you could sort of get around it, because... Um, and we've not really talked about this, there is a mechanic for if someone's already been to a space and you want to go there and they've already taken the spot, you can go there as well, but you have to pay one extra worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're basically giving up one turn in the round in order to go for something that's already been got. So in two-player, going second, like, okay, we both want to go on that double space to get all the fence we need on the on the opening move. I'll have to just use up an extra worker. It basically means I'm one worker down for going second. You could do that, or I mean, you could start stockpiling various types of food because at the very early game, yeah. you're not getting much in the way of crates. You're not yeah. getting much in the way of meat. Yeah, all you're really getting a lot of is is plant food.
0: Possibly, but I I think
1: not having the option to collect uh, dinosaurs if you want to on the opening turn does put you at a disadvantage. I think you could still take a dinosaur. You could because take eight. Could put yeah. Put it in that automatically sealed off. Area. That one automatically sealed square. Yeah. I suppose. And the fact that you during the yeah. um the the placement phase where you yeah. get to put down your uh, board, yeah. uh barriers and place your dinosaurs, the fact that you can't move your barriers yeah. but you can move your dinosaurs during that phase means that it's not such a big problem. But what you might want to do is go. I'm going to take the first player token so that I'm going first next round, then I can go for that.
0: Yeah. I'll grab myself
1: a dinosaur. Like, there are ways around that. It's not necessarily game-breaking by any means. Like, I don't want this to be seen as, like, the game is broken, don't play it. It's a great game. Yeah. It's just, every time, like... We 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 played. We started playing once, and then we were like, ah, oh, we understand the rules properly now, and started again. You know them. how it is. Yeah. You get, both, like, three rounds, yeah. and you like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I fucked Bo- this both up. Both times okay. you went first, and you went for that space person. both times I was like, I feel like I, I have significantly lost out by not going first on round one. And that's a weird feeling to have with a board game. Mm. I feel like I should acknowledge that feeling. Okay. But I had a great time with this, actually. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, young glad. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that's another tiny epic. Last one we played was Mex, which I think we've talked about recently. Yeah, because uh, we the next one's pirates. Oh heck. Yeah, if you're looking for a worker placement game, there's a lot going on in this one mm. and like lots of variety. Yeah, particularly I think combining worker placement with like organizational management on your like little tiny Jurassic mm. Park is a really nice combo. Yeah. It it gives you significant amounts of things to be doing rather mm-hmm. than just I have cubes and no one knows how many of them I need for anything I'm just collecting cubes over here it it feels more involved yeah it, it there is a lot to think about at all yeah. stages of this game oh, i forgot to talk about like the the most interesting thing about this worker placement game Research? the the private versus public contract. Oh, yes. yeah so you've got public contracts which are like hey everyone can see this roll of missions complete it, go by the mission complete it whatever you've each got a private one as well that is it's just for you and you've got it secretly but you can't complete it unless you complete it at the same time as a public one mm-hmm. which means that in those early few rounds of the game you're like incentivized to really fill your park up to try and get this double to get that like bunch of points that sat on the table potentially yeah i mean there there again there are ways around it as long as you're sort of being careful with what you're getting oh yeah yeah but uh yeah it's it's very doable Yeah, I I found that a very interesting mechanic of, like, the sort of balancing act of how close to bursting do I get my park to try and get both of these challenges done at once to get both the sets of points. Yeah, I think to complete mine, I ended up... um, So you've got 11 slots total on your board. Yeah. And you need seven to fulfil both contracts. Yeah. Which means having all of the right stuff. And then you've got the fact that there's research... Which mm. can lead to unique types of dinosaurs. Yeah, it's there's a lot in this game. It's very so nice. tiny on. epic. The tiny epic games are generally all pretty good. They've all been of a consistent quality. Oh yeah, I think we've played almost all of them now. We I, we haven't played Galaxy and we haven't played Western. Yeah. Um, but we've got friends who've got Tiny Epic Quests. Yeah. Uh, tiny Epic Defenders. We've got Tiny Epic Zombies. Tiny Epic Mechs. Tiny Epic. Pirates is coming, and Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, maybe? We I think we've enjoyed every one we've played. Yeah. Um, I have faith in this company to make good, easy to back away yeah. games. Well, that's the other thing. Like it, With board games, it is the longer you are into board games, the harder it gets to justify shelf space. Yes. like There have been times in the last six months where I've looked at our board game shelf and gone, given that there's a bunch of Kickstarters turning up, is there anything on here I might consider chucking on I think there's definitely some stuff we could chuck on that show. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> King of Tokyo? Yeah, we played that like twice and we're like, yeah. I think the problem with that was the fact that you can have a player get knocked out and then they've got nothing to do for like 15, yeah. 20 minutes. I never a fan of a game where you can just be sat around not able to play. Yeah. Um we've definitely got some stuff we could prune off the shelf but it's always nice to have games that are small enough you could take them travelling with you mm. easily just pop them in a bag definitely heck and what have you played um i've been playing more binding of isaac because of course i have I've, I've i'm down that rabbit hole um so i've defeated every single boss in that game on normal mode now and then i started on hard mode and i've beaten like one of the bosses on hard mode so i'm, I'm working through it but yeah more interesting. I started playing around with challenge mode, which I had ignored because I assumed it was just the daily seed, where it's like, here's today's randomized dungeon that everyone can do the same one. But that also exists. That also exists, but that's that's not what challenge mode is, which is what I thought that was. Um, challenge mode gives you a bunch of... Um, they'll give you a loadout, a very specific loadout that you start the, uh, the, the, the run with, and you will have, you You probably don't have to get the whole way through the game, like uh, I did one today where you only ha- had to get as far as beating mom. Um, you don't get treasure rooms on each floor, but you do still get um, upgrades and rewards each time you beat a boss, which are uh, randomized. The bosses you encounter are randomized, the floor layouts are randomized, but it's mainly things like, what if we gave you um, homing homing lasers and very little health, and you had to get as far as beating Mom with your homing lasers, or you are a character that can explode at will and won't take any damage from exploding, but you won't heal either. And your whole point is to get close enough to people to blow yourself up to do damage to them and then back away before they can hurt you.
0: Um,
1: I know that there are some that... A lot of them are themed around, like, different character archetypes. Um, I know there's one that's basically be a Pokemon trainer. (gasps) Um, Like, there's a lot of... Just different thematic setups for your character, um, and they're really fun. It's it's a good way to jump into a already created archetype that has interesting synergies within cool. itself, and to do a run themed around that. And I suppose there's less feeling like you are starting from the very beginning because you've got those. Oh, exactly. Dash. Yeah. Like you might not like the the loadout you've been given at the start, but you're not starting with a vanilla character that does very slow bullets it's like oh i'm starting with something at the very least interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and it looks like there's like dozens of these these challenges to do and i've been warned that they get pretty ridiculous by the end Yay. um but i i started digging into those and i've been having fun with them mm-hmm. what about you what have you been playing we played another boarded game <gasps> we did we played some legendary encounters alien yeah, we've we've talked about that before. We have. It's that that alien card game where all the the cards sort of move closer and closer to attacking you and Yeah. So it's a, a deck builder with some sort of board gamey elements. It's it's a co-op one. Co-op yeah, so you're all working together. There are advanced rules that maybe someday we will get into yeah. like hidden agendas and if somebody dies they can be the alien.
0: Ooh which yeah. makes everything
1: worse for everyone else. <laughs> um but yeah, we decided to play we initially played Alien Resurrection. Yeah, which using, we had a lot of fun with using the setup. It's one of the few that we've not played a lot because Yeah. because we always everyone, to... wants, everyone yeah. when you're starting a new game with new people it tends to be like which alien film do you want and they will always pick Alien or Aliens. Yeah. Well that's the thing is we tend to like start with those anyway yeah. and it's rarer that we go like ah let's go to the later ones. It it also helps that, or doesn't help that when you're playing with friends, you tend to go for the easy ones, and those are definitely the easy ones. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, we played through Alien Resurrection, and then we decided to have a go at customising it, because yeah. it is a thing in the manual, like, you can customise this any way you want. Yeah, because the whole point is, it's like, hey, you need three objectives, and you need this many characters in the, the shop row that you can purchase from. But, like, otherwise, as long as you've got, like, an easy objective, a medium objective, a hard objective, and your shop of characters to purchase, mm-hmm. set it up how you want. Yeah. So we we had... What what films did we have objectives from? So we from? had um, the starting objective from Aliens, which is three yeah. Free Colonists, mm-hmm. which can be difficult. Yeah. Um, then we had the Seal the Vents... Which oh, is from Alien, yeah, yeah, Uh Which is a really a pretty difficult task to do if the one before it wasn't the original one. Yes. Um, and then we did uh, the Alien from Alien Three.
0: Oh yeah, which we did. just
1: has lives. It's yeah. only got six health, but uh, um, you have to kill it again and again and again yeah. and again. Which I imagine if you were playing, um, I think there's a marathon mode. That you could do uh, where you play all of the, the situations yeah. in, in, in order. Which I imagine would take a while. I imagine so. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but we had... Uh, and in terms of the characters we had in our shop row, it was just every version of Ripley. Or all four Ripleys. Yeah, we just we had decks made of Ripleys. Mm-hmm. Which meant we got all the cool shit. We did. We nearly got the power loader. And then he was just like, Nah, I've got 27 damage I'm going to do right now. I was like... I was like I- I mean, yeah, that'll do it. I mean, when you've got that much damage on the table, it's like, I don't want to turn down the chance to do infinity damage. Who knows when this will
0: come again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's our first time, I think, playing a custom game together, and yeah. it went really well. I wouldn't mind trying more of that and seeing like what you can do with regards to like extending the amount amount you play. Yeah, I'd definitely be up for that. I'd be curious to see how that changes things. Yeah. Hmm. What about you? Have you played anything else? I think that's everything I've played this week. Well, in time... to- this? Hello, and welcome to the Feel Less Alone News Network. We can't change reality, but we can at least make you feel a little less alone in lockdown. That's right. Fewer news stories about how the world is ignoring lockdown, but more stories about other people like you staying at home and being safe. Because lockdown isn't as bad when you don't have to think about literally everyone else breaking it. That's the Feel Less Alone News Network. Now, here are some cat videos. And now, a message of hope from
0: 2021. Uh, is is this on? Ah, uh,
1: the, the, the blue line is happening. I think we're, yeah. we're good. Uh, hello, this is 2021! A message from the future. The future. Ooh. That's right. The perception personification of, uh, of 2021. Now listen, I've got a meeting with Chuck Tingle in about an hour, but I just wanted to say we, we, we decided to get all of the bad things for the next few years just out of the way for, during 2020. And I realize that's been a lot for some people. Don't worry. Next year, sunshine and rainbows. Also, lovely weather. Don't worry, you haven't missed out on all the good weather. There will still be good weather next year. There will be future good weather and future good times, and we will get to them, and everything will be better. Yes, and also, like, a whole new standard of cat videos coming next year, so you've all got that to look forward to. Oh, I'm ready. Brace yourselves, it's getting good. Oh, yeah.
0: So. (gasps) What have you watched? What have I watched? Uh,
1: We watched some things together. We did. Uh, we continued watching Star Trek. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, our update on how TNG is going. Some really good episodes in season three. Yeah, and four. yeah. Uh, there was that one with the warp bubble. Um, uh, remember Me. Remember Me. That was a real good episode. So well acted. Uh, fantastically acted. I think um, I think it's always good when you have a mystery kind of episode that paces its mystery just so that like, I worked out what was going on maybe two minutes before, like, it got revealed. Mm. Which I think is perfect pacing for a mystery. Yeah, yeah, like, it's pretty good. Just early enough that you go, oh, I feel really smart for this. I did it. I did, I did it. I did it. Yeah. Like, there is some, some amazing acting, some amazing lines. The fact that, like, you wouldn't have got that with Dr. Pulaski. Oh, God. Crusher right. was asking all the right questions. Yeah, it was a really satisfying, like, getting to see Dr. Crusher be the, the focus yeah. of an episode was really nice mm-hmm. uh, I just love that whole bit right near the end when she's just like what is computer what is the nature of the universe <laughs> <laughs> and the computer's just like yeah. <laughs> huh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it was really interesting to watch an episode that was so relatable in the sense of like oh, oh, oh my god this would be this would be a horrendous situation to be in and to be trying to explain like they really made it like oh this is terrifying as a concept Mm -hmm. that's good it's a really good episode tng has got like i know i was a bit lukewarm on it those first (laughs) couple of seasons but it's gotten real good i don't blame you yeah those first series are not great tng starts ropey it does but it gets better it gets there uh what about you? What you watched this week? I watched a video called The Story of Mario Paint <gasps> by the gaming historian. That was the first video game I owned. Aww. The, the Super Nintendo and my little mouse.
0: Your little mouse. Yeah. It is a
1: 45 minute documentary about why Mario Paint happened and, yeah. and like what came after it. Mm. And and what people who were into it at the time like what they did with it. Yeah. Because I'm... I, I I owned it at one point. I think I'd picked it up because I saw it going really cheap in, like, an electronic boutique or something. I mainly remember it as, like, the first experience I had with a tool for making music Mm. and for playing around with notation scales. I mean, the fact that, like, somebody took that and ripped the idea and there is an online version of that, which allows you for, like, like additional... Because I think you could only play three notes at once on the original. Yeah, yeah. This allows you to do, like more stuff and record like much longer sessions Mm -hmm. because obviously you could only say what would fit on the cartridge yep which was not much back in the day especially not with things like the animations like you can have a really small thing and and you can have nine frames of animation or you can have a much bigger thing (laughs) Uh, but it will only have like a frame of animation (laughs) Uh, yeah it was it was a really cool documentary about the stuff and I didn't know that the annoying dog sound came from there yeah Damn you yeah. Toby Fox. stealing from <laughs> Nintendo brave <laughs> very brave very brave mm-hmm. uh yeah that was it was a, a really good time um yeah um did you know that they talked about or they had tried to put um Mario paint on the the disc drive no but it doesn't surprise like me like a follow like a follow yeah. up yeah with like 3D models and stuff, um, oh, I'm guessing wow. this is the 64DD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like 3D models, now you can texture that using something from this this art package. Oh, how about if you did the, got the third program and did like animation stuff with that? That's it? wild. Like the, it's just a shame that the 64DD just wasn't... just didn't. it just didn't. Well, from from what the documentary says, like. The reason it didn't is because, like, you had to order it from the back of a magazine. Yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of money, and like, it just there wasn't enough support. Yeah,
0: yeah. and then
1: eight months later they were like, nah. Yeah, Nintendo don't do CDs. Except for when we get to the GameCube, and then we'll do tiny CDs. Yeah, but we do them on our terms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh that was a, a good 45 minutes spent watching Nintendo stuff Heck. and watching people be incredibly creative with very limited m- very limited capacity. Yeah. Um, um Ben Rivers is in that documentary, yeah. the person responsible for the video game Home. Do mm. you know this one? Yeah, yeah. The horror um narrative story that I think I've talked mm. about on here before. I think you have. Yeah. Um yeah, and like how like a lot of his Animation ideas and and things came from his time with Mario Paint.
0: Cool.
1: Wow. Oh. Uh, what about you? Are you anything else? Uh, watch anything? We watched some things together. We yes. so- watched some new things. We watch uh, new things. We watched through. Transformers War for Cybertron Siege. Yeah. Which is the first of like three mini-series about Transformers. Three chapters. Three chapters yeah. happening on on Netflix. They're like, what, six or so episodes? Yeah, I think it was six or eight episodes. Yeah, so d- do you want to start us on this? Because you are the Transformers fan. <laughs> um, so it's set on Cybertron. The uh, The Decepticons have risen up against the Autobots. There is a civil war going on. Bumblebee is a horrible centrist <laughs> for most most of the first few episodes. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's lovely to see. Cause I love the Cybertronian like all forms of mm. stuff. I like to see the original versions or original series versions of like Starscream. And, yeah, and. Um, and, and Soundwave, because hmm. I love that Soundwave. Yeah. Soundwave's my favourite. Uh, gorgeously animated as well. The, Good animate, like, the, the texturing. The lighting and the shadows and the texturing of the metal are fantastic. Yes. Yeah, like, all the little scuff marks, all the, just the, the, like, the the texture of the metal as, like, especially, like, Megatron's face. Yeah. Just, like, the way that moves in the light is, like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. They've done a great job and it's it's really cool to see, like, all those versions. I have always loved those weird-ass versions. Yeah. Um, and it's cool, because I've got like, I've got the Siege toy for uh, Ultra Magnus, I've got yeah. the, um, uh, Optimus Prime and the Starscream from that series.
0: Yeah. Like, I've got that. <laughs> <I got> I've <this laughs> <stars. laughs> Yeah. So,
1: like, it's, it's basically, plot-wise, pretty simple. It is, here is the, here is the Decepticons, they would like to be in charge of everything and to rule everything. And they're going to blame the war on the Autobots who are trying to fight for freedom. But they're going to... Freedom s- is the right of all sentient
0: creatures. Indeed.
1: And then the, the the Decepticons will go, oh, but if you'd only just stop fighting, the war would be over. So really, it's your fault that there's a war and the Autobots are having to go, yeah, but 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 I know that lots of us are dying, but we would like to be free, please. There is also the whole slavery question. Which yes. I don't remember from the original series, and I've never read the uh, comics, yeah. so I couldn't tell you about that. But there is obviously like yes. a whole undercurrent of, here's some world building. We're not going to directly tell you exactly what happened, but you get the impression that the Autobots lived in relative luxury, the Decepticons were basically a, a a working class. Yes. Um, they just had an uprising. Yeah, it definitely, like, I'm expecting in Chapter 2 or Chapter 3 there to be the thing of, like, hey, we're going to show you what the Autobots actually did and give you some sense of, like, this is why the Decepticons are so fucking pissed at them. I hope we get more of that and I do want to read the IDW comics at some yeah. point. Cuz
0: um, that that's what
1: that was what was interesting to me about this series is the the idea that we might be like, you know, we we start a bigger world. Yeah, we start by following the the Autobots who are like, "Hey, we just want to fight for freedom." And then it's like, "Hey, yeah, but you can't really blame the the these people for being how they are because you did maybe have them as slaves for a while. He might be a genocidal maniac at this point, but d- d- Megatron did come from a position of hey, we're oppressed and I need to lead my people to something yeah, better than and that. potentially went too far, but like I, I want to see more of that explored rather than just, oh, terbots are good yeah. and Decepticons are bad. Well, I think that's why you get so much interesting nuance from the characters. Yeah. Like, um, I mean I'm not going to name names for, for the sake of spoilers, yeah. but there are like Characters aligned with the Decepticons at the beginning of the series, who are like the Megatron's going too far. I I think there is there is a lot of there is the sentiment of, um, I definitely think that the Decepticons were right to have an uprising uh, and to get out of their position, but they've stepped over a line now that they're going into the territory of we're going to commit genocide against uh the people who were previously in control, and that's how we're going to. St- rectify this. And then you've got, I mean, I don't want to do spoilers, but yeah. there is that whole other aspect of if this thing happens, it will be catastrophic for the whole world. Yeah. And you're just gonna do that, are you? Yeah, you're just gonna do that, good team. Uh, allegedly good team. Now... <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's the thing. There's plenty of room in this narrative for, for the show to go, hey, it turns out Good people, not quite so good. Let's delve into that, and I hope that they d- d- explore that. I hope, I hope that they they don't just paint the Autobots as unanimously good. I don't think they will. From from what we've seen so far, I get the impression, like already that yeah, like there's the fact that there are Autobots questioning various levels of leadership amongst that. We've got the Decepticons going, uh, you, you know. I'm all up for an uprising and for us to have rights and stuff, but this is too much. Like yeah. that level of nuance makes me want to go. Okay, I'm ready for Earthrise. Yeah. I am ready that's for Earthrise. The second season that's eventually coming. I, isn't I it? believe the second series is Earthrise. Um, um, okay. Beca- the, the the thing is, the like s- it's weird that Siege is coming to TV now. Yeah. Because. Siege is the series that like stopped being a toy line last year. Like, <laughs> the reason I have as many Transformers as I do is because they were going cheap because that was the like end of run stuff. Yeah. Hey, get rid of that. Earthrise is coming. <sighs> so, there's that. Um. Although some of the Earthrise Transformers look really cool, but it's on Earth, so no more of the cool Cybertronian versions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Might have to start Star, Starscream again just to have an F16. <laughs> I might have to get another Optimus, because he's got a trailer now. <laughs> I totally just... support this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was really good to see. Very good, well animated. And it's short. They're only 24-minute episodes. It was a fun, interesting three or so hours. The fact that we got through all of um, War for Cybertron uh, siege, and then we're like, eh we will start on Umbrella Academy season 2. Yeah, we had time to get through a season of two different things in a weekend. that's, yeah. that's always a nice. Uh, we watched them all this night. We I think we stayed up late and we finished. Yeah, all on I'm the same pretty sure day. we we finished Umbrella Academy as yeah, well. Yeah, should we should we jump over to Umbrella Academy yeah, season 2? Yeah. Um I really enjoyed season 2 of the Umbrella Academy. Same. Uh, for and anyone, I want, now I want more. Yeah, for Just... anyone who doesn't remember what this is, it's based on a comic series by Gerard Way. It kind of loosely uh, themed on it. The characters have the same powers, have the same names. There's a bit of loosey goosey with how you get to the various plot beats. Um, season two definitely played a little more hard and loose with the with the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately it was for the bet the the benefit of the show. I think that they did the right thing by not trying to force themselves to be too beholden to the source material mm. i think the best a lot of the best adaptations give themselves some room to breathe yeah it's easy to go it's not what happened in the book though but some things just don't work on television <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i think they did a good job of this like if i was going to give like a one sentence summary of the 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 second book it would be basically the same as my one sentence summary of the T V series, mm-hmm. even if you took wildly different routes to get there. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Um but yeah, I liked I liked a lot of what they did with the characters this season. They mm-hmm. paired a lot of people with different people to who they were paired with last season. Mm-hmm. Um so you got to see different character dynamics play out. Yeah. Um soundtrack was stunning as ever. Mm-hmm. Real, real good soundtrack.
0: Awesome.
1: Um Yeah, it was just a fun, silly end of the world superhero thing again. Once again, there's ten days until the end of the world. Fuck, how do we yeah, stop it this time? Yeah, he keeps saying that. Klaus. five. Yeah. He keeps saying there's only ten days to save the world, uh, into the world ends. Again, five, oh. with all this bullshit. Ah, oh. oh. if, if you want to be sold on season two of the Umbrella Academy, watch the opening, like, three to four minutes. Oh. Like, season two, episode one. Doesn't fuck about. Watch until the title <laughs> crawl happens, because... It does not waste any fucking time setting the stakes, and I mean, like, it really fucking nails. Like, oh, yeah. oh here's what this season's about. It's, it, it goes from I'm gonna just I I might just check my phone during the the credits. There probably won't be any. Oh oh shit oh shit yeah. Oh shit. I I think they put <laughs> this three to four minutes on YouTube as its own video. Um.
0: There's I understand why they
1: did it. They were like, hey, Just fucking yes. watch season two. Do you want to know how this all blows up? Yeah. Do you want to, you want to know how this all well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they did a pretty good job at one thing that I was a bit bracing for when the series started, which mm-hmm. is like, ah, this is set in the 1960s and there is a black character Ooh. during the civil yeah, rights as, era. As soon as she walked into that restaurant, yeah. I was like, oh, dear. I, I think they did a decent job of... Portraying the realities of that experience and not just fixing the problem of civil rights with magic. Yeah, I think it would have been very easy for them to go. And they used magic and solved civil rights. Yes. Yeah, actually, it was a magic black woman who made civil rights happen. I feel like that could have been very easy. I mean, if somebody could actually do that and go back in time and make that happen, I think that would be awesome. But yes, but as a narrative conceit, as a narrative it, conceit, it, you know? it under- does the work yeah, of, oh, of no, 100%, very hard. I'm 100%. Yeah. I'm just saying, if there happens to be someone out there yeah. who could do that. Uh, so, you know what? My there, There's two things as a person who read the comic that I'm a little disappointed in. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, Hazel and cha who are not really present in season two of the show. Are present in the book. How? Uh, I, I'm I, guessing the same thing doesn't happen in the end of season. Yeah, 11. not quite the same thing happens at the se- end of season one. They're still they're still about in in okay. season two's version of the universe, and you have them rather than the the Swedish men, um, which I think is like a real shame because Hazel and Cha are great, um, and the comic that tells this story. It's general beat is the same, like there's a big there's a big looming thing at the end of this season, which is we need to go and do th- involve ourselves in this historical event, and the way it's done in the comic is a really fucking cool use of one of the characters' powers, and it's like the defining example of their power being really fucking cool mm. um, and that they just they just wipe that that moment out of the show, and I'm like. It's when I talk about the second comic. That's the line, like the the moment I quote at people mm. is uh, a very cool use of rumor powers mm-hmm. um, that just doesn't exist in the show. Yeah. Also, was the handler constantly dressing as Jackie Kennedy? Because it um, really felt like it. <laughs> well, I I think I think very much so, and. Uh, Again, I I I won't dig into spoilers here. But if you if we want to talk after recording this podcast, there's some interesting stuff in the comic that I think they might have been sort of alluding at. Oh, Okay. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Klaus get... once
1: again was fantastically acted. Oh, I love Klaus. <laughs> Klaus is so great. Such a wonderful beautiful oh, disaster. Yeah, this, this <laughs> disaster man dropped in the '60s and he's like, oh, I'm just, I am a cult leader. I did not mean to do this. Go go do drugs probably and and. I just want to save my boyfriend. Oh no! I cried so hard. Oh god, yeah, it was fucking heartbreaking. It was a real season of I just want to to I just I I've time traveled and I just want to do something good with that, and not being able to do something good with that. Also, that first or second episode, there was one particular shot where two people were sitting in a doorway, and I was like, I'm getting real um, Max and Chloe vibes right now. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, I I'm I'm so on board with this this Umbrella Academy adaptation. Mm. I think I think it it's taken a lot of what worked about the comics and honestly I kind of I kind of prefer it to the comics. I I think in like you know there are some cool moments that I wish it carried over but mm-hmm. I th- I think it's a more consistent overall product mm. which is nice. So
0: mm. yeah,
1: also fucking cliffhangers for season 3, huh? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh shit. Um yeah, I really liked Herb Ah, oh, Herb. I like that Herb's response to having the piss taken out of him for being short was literally to just come back with a Huh, ah, fuck you <laughs> Basically. Yeah. If someone says, um, I've taken shits bigger than him and he's like, Someone needs fiber <laughs> <laughs> He he takes everything in stride and he is very he's very good at he's a delight when he's in scenes. He's <laughs> delight when he's in scenes. He's he's got <laughs> just this really casual little clapbacks sometimes. <laughs> And just the fact that he's, like, he's on the side of good, ultimately. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, Umbrella Academy's great. Mm-hmm. What about you? What else have you watched? Oh, oh, oh! I watched a thing uh, called Fear of Depths.
0: Ooh. Uh,
1: it is on the uh, Jacob Geller YouTube channel. Yeah. I had never heard of this person, but I shared this on Facebook earlier in the week, and a bunch of people were like, I've seen this guy's channel. It's really good. <laughs> um, It's... Oh... If 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 you want to think about the buried Okay. Um, so it's about like people being attracted to like caving and potholing and what yeah. lies underground and what 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 is underground and how people feel about that. Like it starts there there's like a big bit near the beginning talking about a guy who was I think he was like several hundred feet below the surface possibly more than a thousand feet, I could be wrong. Hmm. Um got trapped um for like two weeks and they were sending people down and people were having panic attacks or coming back really shaky, having got about halfway down to give to bring him food or something and being hmm. like, no.
0: No thank you.
1: Um and and just the fact that from that, basically America got this whole potholing slash caving uh like thing like the park where this guy mm. died that is named after the guy who died <laughs> there and then there's like yeah yeah which is we've explored hundreds of miles of this huge cave system i think it is the like largest cave system in the world mm. or unknown cave system in the world and like the 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 um person doing the dialogue for it's like you go down to these places, and it really feels like there is something made for you down here. Like, why can a human fit through this space? Mm. Just about. Why Why can humans go this way? Why is, why is a lot of it just about tall enough to walk through? Mm. Or squeeze through? Or slide through? Why is it just big enough for a p- person? And then, like... That talking about the just absolute dark, pitch darkness of it. Yeah. Because normally, like, it doesn't matter how long you spend out there, your eyes are never going to adjust to it. Yeah. Talking about how, like, easy it is to get lost. Like, the first... It was going, at one point, uh, we walked into this cave together with a group of people. We were trying to work out, um, like, which way to go next. And I absolutely could have sworn that the way we came from was not the way we came from. Hmm, so it, 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 luckily that I was down there with better cavers, because that's fucked up, and I was sitting there watching the whole thing with the Magnus Archives eye on, going, The Buried, The Buried, The Buried, The Buried, all The Void. Yeah, oh, I'm fascinated by anything that has energy of The Buried. Oh, it is a fantastic little documentary, it's about, uh yeah, half an hour long, very manageable. Uh Yeah, it's... It's pretty spooky. They draw parallels to, um, not Limbo. What's the other one? Um, oh, Inside? The inside with the factory. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. They draw parallels to that and, like, how that does, like, bleakness and oh. not quite being able to know yeah. where you are. I love a good pitch black silent cave. Mm. It's good buried energy. Mm. Have you watched anything else?
0: Uh, I think that's about it
1: for me Have uh, well, I watched anything else? I don't know uh, I think that's it Well, well then. then Time for this no, no, We've got a new sponsor Who's our new sponsor? Well Do you have a small amount of money That you haven't immediately spent Because you're a poor uh, annual? I mean, how small are we talking? Like, I can probably find like a few quid, like a a pound fifty, maybe if I scrounge around the savings account. <laughs> okay, so so if you took that savings, like just a savings, just a bit of savings. Don't worry about it. Like, and who's who's I mean, got savings these it's days? It's the only one pound fifty I have for a rainy day. But what if you risked all that? Wait, my one pound fifty, then I wouldn't have money for chicken nuggets wouldn't have enough for chicken nuggets, <laughs> <laughs> I have, chicken nuggets. <laughs> have you ever considered entering the stock market um not not really i don't mean with a rifle i mean i i i i, I think it'd be a bad idea for me i can't get into into the risk reward nature it's basically gambling but for, for rich people what if there was an app that could do like small stock trading, <laughs> just little of stock trading as a as a one pound fifty treat. <laughs> l- l- hear me out though, like you could just do just a little bit of of stocks and shares, because that's all millennials think about, right? Stocks and shares. I don't want to gamble my chicken nugget money. Put the nuggies on the back burner. What if you could invest in uh, a a like a stock or share? Where the three-digit code was N-U-G. Then Wait. you to put your money in nuggies. Yeah, but... And you could We're in a global th- recession. This is, seems a... Surely this is a bad time the to risk my to chicken nugget money. As I understand it, vulture capitalists, I think that's what they call them, <laughs> they, they, they buy when things are really fucked. Do you not want to be someone who profits off the misery of other people's business? Well... First of all, no. And second of all, you're supposed to do it when it's the most fucked. And I think we've got further to go. It's going to get more fucked. It's going to get more fucked. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay, then. Uh, this week's sponsor is Stock Trader XL. For all your high-end premium stocks and shares. Which is everything that queer millennials need, right? Sure. Right. Right, they got sure. a, they got a little rainbow on their logo just for us. Of course they do. It's the old rainbow. It doesn't have the extra stripes on it. Ah, uh, mm. but it is August. And I mean, they didn't re- get rid of it as soon as the clock ticked over. I guess uh, it might just be because they sent it to us. Oh, I mm. I see. Uh, using mm. assets, eh? It's an asset flip of an email. Um, head over there and at the code Q and I can't remember what the number is this week. And, yeah. Don't can... do it, don't risk your nugget money. Save the nuggies, save the nuggies, you deserve nuggies! Inside the boardroom of Electronic Actor Softworks. Hi, hi, hi. hi. So, uh, I've been thinking, I've been thinking. Yeah. Uh, we got that, uh, that, that, uh, new games console we've been making coming yeah. out at the end yeah. of the year, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's clamoring for, when's it gonna come out? How much is it gonna cost? Uh, Have the other guys said how much Oh, they've not said how much it is yet or when it's coming out. So you're like, here's the thing. I was thinking of, you know, obviously, you know, you wait. You don't say first. You know, you play that whole game. Yeah. I think I've got a better idea than even that. Right. So, if these gamers are so desperate to know the release date and the price... Right. ...make them a pre-order bonus. You have to pre-order the console... Car fucking jam. Exactly. You've got to pre-order the console... And you won't know how much it costs until you pre-order it and see at the end of the month how much it come out of your bank statement. I am so horny for this Exactly. Idea. We'll tell you the release date, but you got to pre-order it. And you know what makes this even better? Yeah. If our competitors want to find out when we're launching saying so try and undercut they're us... They're going to have to buy They're going to have to buy at least one of our console to find out, which means... I mean I think we've won the moral victory if we force them to buy one of our boxes just, oh, 100%. just to find out what we're doing. No refunds on pre-orders. Oh exactly exactly and uh, at that point they're going to be too, they're going to be too, the, the gamers are going to be too excited that they managed to get it at one of the limited limited pre-orders they're yeah. not going to cancel it no matter how expensive we make it. What if we made it like a tiered pre-order system where like you can just have the price you'll you'll know the price when we release the price? Ah, I see, and, I see. And only you will, you group who have paid for it will get it. You have to, you have to sign an NDA that you won't tell anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we can make a whole bunch of money just suing the people that, you know... Break the NDA, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So we, we mess those people up. And then, like, we just... We we promise that it'll be, like, another 24 hours. And then we'll till the next tier. Oh, I see, so I you, see. So you will know, but you will know after them. Yeah. Like so, you're not platinum tier, you're gold tier, but still gold tier, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we just go down all the way through every semi precious metal, all the way down to like tin, coal coal tier. (laughs) Yeah. You have coal tier, and uh, you get you get nothing basically. You you get you get to know. We will send you an email three seconds before we announce it, but you will know early. You are fucking genius. I know. (sighs) So <sighs> What's going in your ear needs? Uh, I've been listening to a bunch of My Chemical Romance and Gerard Wayne Against Me for work purposes this week. I was writing a thing about some experiences with those bands, and that got me into a mood for, like, just going back and re-listening to those bands a bit. Punk, punk, punk. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I have a lot of nostalgia tied up in both uh, those bands. Like, mm-hmm. They, they were, like, the bands that were they hit it like formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening through, like, I forgot how. I always forget until I'm listening to it how much I love Danger Days as an album. Um, it is so, like, upbeat and danceable in a lot of places. It's got really good, just like, here is rock I can have a real good foot stomp to, mm-hmm. um, which is always really nice. Um, I went back and watched some bootlegs of some shows that I'd been to in the past. I know, naughty, naughty. Did you see yourself? I, I I could see myself a couple of ah. times. Just like, ah, that's me. Um, I watched a bootleg of the Gerard Way uh, Brixton Academy show from 2015, oh. uh, and the 2016 Camden Electric Ballroom Against Me show. Ooh. Um, just because those were very significant shows to me, <laughs> attending as an adult and being like, ah oh, heck, ah oh, heck, this is. This is this is very much a thing that uh, is bringing my childhood to life in a magical way. Um, that Against Me show from 2016, fucking, it is quite an electric feeling to be in a room full of just like other trans and non-binary people, like <laughs> shouting at the top of their lungs songs about being 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 trans. Woo. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I just went back through and listened to a bunch of their stuff. Um... Also I uh, I went back and rewatched an old uh I, th- I think it was about 2007 recording of uh an Against Me! track called The Ocean um from their album New Wave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um it's a very specific live recording of it that I have a like big weird nostalgic memory for watching this specific video upload. Oh. Um it's this is the song about 5 years before Laura Jane Grace came out as trans. Where she very explicitly is like, "Hey, I wish I, I wish I'd been born a woman. My mother was, my mother was gonna name me Laura. Um, Here's the life I wish I had, had." And like, egg. Yeah, yeah. I as as an at the time egg that wasn't quite <laughs> ready to hatch. That song real put some cracks in some <laughs> cracks in the egg. And I was like, oh, I'm oh, my shell. <laughs> uh, my shell was starting to crack and I was starting to emerge. Aww. Yeah, it's it's this, I was like, oh, oh, Here, here's the thing. The thing about that recording that I think was so egg breaking is perspective at the time. It's like, ah, I, a mad person, have these weird, I have these feelings that no one seems to have. <gasps> There's there's another there's another, one. there's another one. I am not alone. You you you, a, a my also also have this thing. Not, not 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 a not alone not, not alone not alone. And uh, yeah, that definitely got me rolling down the track of maybe 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 be a woman. Maybe be woman. Maybe, maybe woman. Be, a woman. May be woman. Maybe woman. Yeah. And now here we are. Ta da! Ah, uh, what about you? What you listen to this week? Oh, uh, <laughs> I put some Ben Briggs on because. I just did a little bit of Bouncy Undertale stuff. Yeah. Um, so I listened to one of my favourite tracks, uh, Collecting Junk with Temmie. Oh, that's um, a good track. It's so upbeat. It's a little, like, hip-hop track about Temmie. Yeah. And just c- collecting junk and, and all the goods, like, name-dropping all the things. I've played, like, an hour of Undertale. So I I have never even got to the Temmie Village, but I just love that tune. It is <laughs> a good tune. And like all the things that Temmie collects and the fact that Temmie really should be saving for Koolag, but yeah. but but what if bought all the things? What what if I bought all of your uh, your your items, every one of them? Uh what oh, I can't remember what the one oh, dog residue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So th- you have dog residue and I really gotta try it. Yeah, no, that is that is a thing where like one of the ways you can make infinite money in that game is to infinitely produce dog residue and then sell it like for like two gold apiece to Tammy over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally she'll go, i really got to buy it. And you can jack up the price to like eight gold. Ooh. Yeah, you can refu- initially refuse to sell it. And yeah. I think you can get away with doing that twice. Yeah, you can you can sometimes get away with it twice. And if you refuse anymore, she should be like, nah, I'm not interested anymore me, who uh, hasn't played the damn game I know too. Yeah. <laughs> it is so culturally like... Cultural osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Everybody knows that track. Um, yeah, it's... And the other one was Ben Briggs' remix of uh, Megalomania. Uh, which goes some places. Yeah, it do. Yeah. Um, oh, and the uh, 2015 um, Temcore <laughs> um, at April Fool's track that uh, Ben Briggs did. Which again goes some places. It's got the Venga in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So lots of bright and shiny, bouncy, upbeat, um, Undertale stuff. Because yeah. that game has a really good soundtrack. It does indeed. Mm, what about you? Uh, I listened to a couple of new tracks this yeah, week. New tracks. Uh, I listened to to a track called "The Bends" by a band called Doomtree. Mm. Um. There's multiple different vocalists doing different sections on it. Um the the one I've made note of is the first vocalist uh, reminds me a lot of uh Dessa's vocal style. Um it's this sort of I I, I guess you would describe it's like a hip hop track but with like little bits of sitar
0: occasionally Ooh. sort of
1: plucking underneath it which gives it this really interesting sound. Um sound. just like it's it's very low in the mix but it's just consistently there underpinning it. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of different vocal styles over one consistent, very bouncy, danceable beat. Ooh. Like it, the the vocals change each verse, but like it, it feels like one consistent track. Uh, um, I also listened to a track called "Be Nice to Me" by the mm-hmm. Front Bottoms. Yay! Um, sort of po- a pop rock track. Um, about two people who really aren't a good fit for each other, but they're trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting sort of like upbeat, dancey rock track. Um, I listened to a track called Gender Binary Fuck You <laughs> by Ryan Casata. Um, uh, it's it's quite melodic punk about saying fuck you to the gender binary. Um, stuff like, Hey, some days the singer wants to have a beard and a femme pretty voice, and fuck you if you're not gonna stand behind that. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um also they 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 mentioned being being a bit of a hippie, and I'm like, yeah, go you punky queer hippie, that's good energy, all the best people yeah um, that's 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 a good bit of a good bit of non cis punk, um, I think I've got like one more track, no, I think that's it actually that's, like, that's what I've been listening to well then time for this <sighs> <sighs> you got your own, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, 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 uh, not necessarily <sighs> safe to, uh, share them still. Oh, no, I know, I know. Although, uh, did you know? Yeah. That, uh, there aren't actually any lockdown measures anymore.
0: No? Yeah, no, yeah. I thought there were, wasn't there like masks and two no, metres and no? No, no,
1: Turns out, all you've got to do, yeah, is get one of those like card readers. Yeah. So you can take like card payments. Yeah. If you carry that around with you. You can claim to be a business, and then you can oh, just hang out with whoever you want. Yeah. So like, I can't meet. You know, I couldn't meet up with you in, you know, my back garden. You know, to no. you know, have a have no. a no. have a, a a nice time with our own. No, no. But if I had a card reader, and you know, I'll make you uh pay a quid charge on the card at the start of the day. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, next time i see you, I'll put a quid on you, yours. Yeah, yeah, now we're yeah. businesses. And... That's it, we're businesses, we're each a
0: business. Yeah. And we can we're do just that. enjoying
1: the business in the outdoor seating. Absolutely. No need for a mask anymore. Yeah. No need for a mask. You just hang the card reader off uh-huh. your ears. Can't, then... can't come round for a cup of coffee in the living room? Don't worry, just it's a cafe now. Just <laughs> There we go. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, got that all on there, and everyone knows that uh, you know uh, capitalism helps keep the virus alive. Oh, because you know that is one thing we know about that virus is it is sensible. It doesn't all be around capitalism. It is a smart virus. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, it was it was specifically designed in a lab. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To yeah. be, you know, like it. it if if you're engaging in capitalism, it will leave you alone. Yeah. Ah, oh, that is the only way to explain all the pubs being open. Exactly. I reckon it was invented by that Bezos guy. Yeah. You know, just to keep people, you know there was all the all the people staying home, buying all the stuff on Amazon. Yeah. And now it's keeping all the other businesses open so people have to go and go and spend money there. Uh, yeah, see, that's easier. Yeah. I mean, I'm still gonna keep wearing my mask, though. Yeah, it just yeah, seems a sensible so. thing to do. Me too. So.
0: So, yeah.
1: It's yeah, yeah. one conspiracy I ain't gonna uh, act on. Well, yeah, not
0: not gonna not gonna
1: take the risk, obviously. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Bezos might have like Alexa listening to me and be like. Oh, no. Really disappointing that we're not getting to go to the festival this year. Oh, I know. So looking forward to it.
0: Hey, kids. How about coming to Living Room Festival? What's Living Room Festival? This weekend, we've got all the stuff. We've got ball pits, lasers, light shows, and we've got so many top artists. We've got My Chemical Romance, and... Limp biscuits and Talamaska, and and 1200 micrograms, and all of these people. Plus, we've got a comedy tent, so you can check out all the good, good japes over there. Our toilets are some of the cleanest you'll ever see at a festival. Comfy camping spaces. You can't come to Living Room Festival. You you can't, but you could host your own. (gasps) Because Living Room Festival is happening at my place. I'm going to have a brilliant time. I'm also going to have a Living Room Festival. That sounds great. Living Room Festival, it's this weekend. Wherever you happen to be. And whenever you happen to be listening.
1: Question time. It's time for questions. What's the questions? Uh, Samuel West would like to know, can I have a juice box? There you go. Can I have a juice box? we will put the straw in the the top for you. you. There There you you go. go. (laughs) <laughs> uh lucy nevins wants to know what is the perfect day we start uh yeah get the three of us together wake you up not too warm from having all slept together yeah yeah um and then everyone was well rested and got good sleep didn't mm-hmm, wake up too early mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. have a nice cooked breakfast yeah weekend breakfast
0: yeah
1: uh, and then like just a nice day of sitting and relaxing and playing have a nice walk in the sun, oh lovely walk, uh yeah, you yeah, go like down the woods or something, yeah, have a lovely walk, come home i have some have some maybe have some nice fruity ciders or something. Yeah. Um nice lie in the hammock some... in the sun, maybe. Maybe a lie in the hammock. I mean if it's gonna be a perfect day, maybe there's a swimming pool outside in the sun where I can take a little swim. Maybe some pampering. Oh heck. <laughs> maybe maybe get maybe get some subby pampering. <laughs> um and then uh, I like uh, like an and uh, maybe a takeaway. Oh yeah. Just like a really nice takeaway and eat slightly too much. Yeah. And then like relax with movies, and then like and um, Early night
0: wink yeah.
1: and, then, and, then, and then just fall asleep on each other in a big sweaty sexy mess. Aww. smelling good. Also wedge into there some dancing around in the living room at some point. Wiggle wiggle wiggle. Wiggle I wiggle wiggle. Like without saying. Yeah, of course. Always oh, a little bit of wiggling. Wiggle wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also at some point like caramel waffles. Oh yeah. Then mm-hmm. you lunch. Caramel waffles and ice Carole, cream for lunch. Yeah. Just hot <laughs> caramel waffles with ash cream for lunch.
0: Yeah, so what,
1: I mean, yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, Larry Elling and me ask, uh, "What's your favourite way of relaxing and/or clearing y'all's minds?" Hmm, mm, not sure I can say that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm not... Clearing very... my mind is a foreign concept to me. So is relaxing. Yeah. I don't, yeah. No, I don't really do that unassisted. I, I will do tasks that are not strictly productive. Yeah. I I will be momentarily distracted from the news. <laughs> but I wouldn't really call that relaxing. I suppose neither, the, of, neither of us is great at switching off. No, I think the closest to get to like a relax and even that has a certain degree of tension in it for most of the thing is when we do the big walk up up to the hill yeah like we do the long walk along all the back roads yeah because there isn't much of a phone signal yeah there's it's it's not really safe to be going along with headphones on yeah it's just enjoy the world around you. Especially for the last bit, when there's like there's no cars around. Yeah. You might see maybe two people an hour, yeah. usually on bikes. And that's about it. Yeah. And you that's get to the top and just collapse a bit. Collapse for a bit. Get to a position where you can't see all the people behind you. <laughs> and then just you know just have a, a, a relax and a <sighs> chill. A bit of a picnic, maybe. Yeah. And then... Probably get a cab home. Yeah, <laughs> legs will be a bit jellified <laughs> by the time we finish. Wow, I think they were after the last time. Goodness. Yeah, we did. We did the long, long, long version of the walk. Well, is uh, is. I've done the long, long, long version of the walk, and it hasn't done that to me. It's just the fact that I've not been doing that kind of walk as often as I used to. Yeah, and I think after this year, it's going to be even worse. I mean, it was a lengthy walk. Yeah, it was. It was like a three, three and a half, four hour walk. Yeah. I I I think the first time I did it, it took me about five hours. Yeah. Because I didn't really know where I was going, and I had to double back a couple of times. Yeah. Because I'm not really reading really maps. And yeah, it was four hours of pretty consistent just go, go, go walking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it is a really lovely walk. Yeah. But, um, yeah, my hips were killing me for days after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing. Like, this summer would have been perfect. Like, have a bit more time to just go and like, do that, like, a few times. Wouldn't I have lovely? And go, have gone for other nice long walks. Like, there is, a, there is a nice park up the hill from us that I've, you know, since we've moved here, I've been feeling like, we should go and do that walk one weekend, but... Yeah. It's not really been safe this year. It's not been super safe as <sighs> It's not been super safe. No. No. Ah. Next question. Crimson asks, are there any fashion trends that could be uh, relatively recent or from out throughout history that you wish would make a comeback. Proper unadulterated hippie fashion. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, if we could just have a resurgence of everyone wearing just comfortable, colourful...
0: Comfortable, colourful clothes.
1: Like, the crusty hippies that make... All, like, n- like with the lumpy knitted stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, clearly you were bollocks when you knitted that, but well done. It clearly looks warm and very cosy. Yeah. And then, like, the, like the, the fashion hippies with just, like... Bright colours and lots yeah. of flowers Or just like painting on their own
0: clothes Yeah So it's yeah. just like
1: everyone's got like cool unique stuff That someone was just like oh a bit messy and I want to do yeah. some, something creative Could I paint your clothes? Cool yeah. I, I think generally Get a plain piece of clothing and customise it yourself And this is a thing that you have made And only you own this piece of clothing should be more of a thing, also I think bell bottoms are cool too oh bell bottoms are great we have a friend that wears bell bottoms a lot yeah bell <laughs> um, bottoms are fab they are fab and I think the other one would be like those um the Tudor shorts with like the the strappy bit I don't know what they're called they're not breeches um <laughs> the ones with the strappy bits down the side that you wear a cod piece with
0: oh yeah yeah
1: I think that whole that whole fashion is hilarious <laughs> okay that's what we were bringing back uh, that's what that's the 2030s that, That's the look for the 2030s I want to see everyone in like future Tudor clothing. <laughs> Tudor hippies. J- Tudippies. 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 So it's sort of like the word tulip. Tudip. There you Tudip go. hippies. There we go. Uh, Echo huh. asks, uh, what kind of horns would you have if you had the option? Devil, ram, antlers? Uh, I've thought about this because I have, I have characters I've played in d who are tieflings. Mm. And as such, I've thought a lot about horn designs. I like the horns that come sort of out the, the front and then sort of, like, point backwards. Okay, like the, like, Maleficent-style horns? Yeah, slightly Maleficent-style horns. Yeah, not too tall, but sort of just... There is some height there. Yeah, there's a the, little bit of height, they, they, they the mainly way. sort of come out the, the front and sort of almost, like, slicked-back hair. Yeah, just like... <laughs> yeah. Hellboy just, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. those are pretty cool horns. Yeah, I like those. Um, yeah, I do like the the demon ones. Not as a big... Ke- um, sticking on the ram yeah. horns because they just look like Princess Leia buns <laughs> Um, I really like uh, like goat horns. Yeah, like either the little knobby ones you get on like cartoons. Yes. They're just like just little nubs, the little nub ones, and they're adorable. Or the um twisty ones that are almost like a um like an antelope. Oh, those are good as well. Yeah, like not maybe not as tall as that, but the ones you get on goats that do have that sort of twist to them, but mostly go up. Yeah, yeah. Big van of goats. There's lots of good types of horns. There are lots of good types of horns. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> I hope you're happy, Echo. <laughs> Michael asks, "Do you have a theme songs or playlist when you come up with a long term character?" I don't think I ever have done. I don't think I ever have done. I I know that like it is a thing that happens. Like I. Uh, when I've in Dice Funk, mm-hmm. um, when I've when seasons are finished, I know that Cosminion will often make playlists of here's music that is reminiscent the energy of this character. Of that character, and I must say, Cosminion fucking nails it every time. Yeah. Every time I listen through Cosminion's playlist, I'm like, you nailed my character, you really got them. I never do. I I'm seemingly incapable of doing that for myself for characters, but mm-hmm. I I have played all less D and D. As a player than I have as a DM, so Eh. I don't I try not to get too attached to any of my characters. Uh, I mean, the closest I've got to to that was Frank Westerly in season four of Dice Funk. Um, I just listened to the Yu-Gi-Oh! soundtrack every time I want to get into their headspace. Makes sense. I put on all the all the cheesiest tracks from the Yu-Gi-Oh! soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I'm like, we were closer than brothers, but now we have to fight each other. Yeah, I think there's maybe two l- long, long term characters that I could probably sit down and think of a yeah. a theme tune for. Um Trash Boy, who is a recurring character. Yeah. Um sadly one of the only people that seem to have made it out of season one. They survived. We'll get to the others one day. <laughs> um and Thornton, I guess. Who is yeah. m- mostly just this unseen evil. And his theme tune is the polyarmory theme tune. Ah oh, heck. <laughs> As was I mean it's the theme song from series one was yeah. um fighting death and human hordes, Thoughts and comfort tries to c- kill them all, they escape the veil <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. more now at Poly Store. Hee hee hey more questions! More questions
0: Questions from the Question Gods Questions for the Question Gods
1: Uh Arachno Vault <coughs> asks uh credits are tricky for this one. Uh, if you could modify an existing comic book character, who would it be and what would you change? Oh, mm, hmm. uh, if I was going to change a comic book character, I think the one I would change is Captain America. Not because I have any great care for the character, but because I think that there are far more interesting things you could do with them than what's currently being done with them. What um, is currently being done with them? So, like, most Captain America stories that I'm aware of basically have, usually Captain America is generic, strong, attractive white man who is the symbol of America and American pride, usually through the lens of... Uh, loyal to the military and, uh, you know, like national pride through a sort of Ooh. almost militaristic lens. Like,
0: I, I yeah, like,
1: here's on. the thing. I, I, I think that the way that you update uh, Captain America to make, make it more interesting is have a Captain America who is from not that background and still have them be like, no, this is equally valid as, you know, the spirit of America. You know, you could ha- have the kind of... You could have a non-white, uh, maybe non-Christian Captain America that a lot of people in America would probably push back against being, you know, the symbol of, uh, you know, the savior of America. And I think that that could make for some interesting stories of like, no, this is, you know, America isn't just Steve Rogers. No, how about we have um, a a person of color Captain yeah. America who's like. Do you remember the American dream about coming here and making something of yourself exactly. and experiencing all this thing? And like being the backbone of America, yeah. quote unquote. And like the, the 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 cultural mix of people who have just come together to make the, if if not the country as a whole, certainly like communities within that country yeah. so much more enriched by their here are some people from this part of the world and this part of the world and this yeah. part of the world and they are... Now we have a whole new cuisine. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think that Captain America would be a much more interesting character and maybe there are stories like this that I just am not aware of. That's probably a thing. But... I mean, it's the same with Batman. I just avoid the comic because yeah. I just don't think the character's very interesting. It's the same as Superman. I don't find Captain America usually a very interesting character. That all of these characters are characters very much of their time. Yeah. They. They... They... You know, they had a time and place, and that was like what 1920s America. Yeah, I I would like to see a modernized take on Captain America, because considering the whole point of the character is I I am I'm America's hero personified. It would be really nice to see them, you know, something more diverse done with them. Yeah, exactly. To um, reflect America, an actual hero. Yeah. You know, maybe dealing with the fascism that currently exists yeah, in America. Yeah. And, you know, ma- making America all the better by, say, dealing with racism. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't necessarily think that should uh, should be a-, a white person's story. Indeed. <sighs> Sorry, more questions. Yeah, you put the questions away. I got, I got put the questions away because I was really getting into that one. <laughs> um... I'm not sure I answered. Do you have an answer? <laughs> A character I would change. Um, hmm. Squirrel Girl and the changes that they're in more comics. <laughs> yeah, she should definitely be in more comics. <laughs> Big fan of Squirrel Girl. I'm trying to think about the comics I really, really enjoy and like the characters within them, and generally the the problem isn't an individual character with any yeah. of those things. It's more like story elements or decisions made by the artist or writer. Yeah. Like, why aren't there more people of colour in Tank Girl? Yeah. yeah that's a fair. fair point. Do we have any other questions? We do. Tricky asks, uh, modify the previous question, uh, as in different universe heroes you'd like to see with Spider-Man. So there's a larger context as well. Uh, trailer Park, Hulk, Noir, Spider-Man, Samurai, Batman, etc. Okay, okay. <clears throat> um... We're we're putting them in the Spider-Man universe. Is that what we're doing? As I understand it. Okay, okay. Um, I would love to see Shuri from Black Panther mm-hmm. crossed over with Spider-Man. In oh, the she's a badass. Yeah, badass. Um, good with tech and tech-based weaponry. Oh yeah, they get on really well. Yeah, I think I think two like uh like teenage to young adult real tech-obsessed nerd superhero types. I think they'd make a really fun duo.
0: Mm-hmm. I would
1: love to see them go on some, some adventures together. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I, it's it's less say I'd like to see them go into Spider-Man's universe, but I wouldn't mind seeing so, uh, Spider-Man dealing with the Silent Hill comics. <gasps> oh! I imagine that. That would be quite intense. <laughs> that would be quite intense. Like, how would Spider-Man deal with survival horror? <laughs> I, I want to see, see it
0: now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lucy asks, if you were going to build a bear and could make any plush you want, what would it be? Uh, how about a little bunny rabbit plush, but it's dressed in sort of like punk punk gear. Aww.
0: Little punk bunny. A punky rabbit.
1: A punky rabbit. I would like a different version of mixed um, Goldie Flops. Yeah? Uh, with like, but not as a backpack. Yeah, but still with all the piercings and rave oh. bracelets and all the other things they've acquired over the years. That's that's lovely. Yeah, I want my my existing one. Yeah, uh, Omegon the Sane says same question, but misinterpret the word bear. Ah, uh, um, big beard, good strong hugging arms, red plaid. Got to have the red plaid. <laughs> Got to have the red plaid. Some some denim jeans, some like stumpy, you know, outdoorsman boots. Big stumpy outdoors type boots. Um. But not like one of those crappy brands. Yeah. But also, pair this with just, like, long hair. Long hair and, like... Just, like, just, hippie just, hair. Just, just a bit of a goatee. Yeah. Not the full beard. Yeah. But uh, long enough that it didn't do the scratchy thing. There you go. There's there's the bear. That's the bear that we've invented. <laughs> to snack you share with a bear.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Gallery asks, what's the ideal tabletop? role-playing campaign length to you. Would you consider having the same character experiencing a saga of campaigns, taking them through their life story, if you could? Mm -hmm. I I find that, for me at least, there is a limit to how far my characters tend to want to develop. There is usually, here is starting flaws, here is end addressing those points, and they go on an arc, and beyond that... I want I want a narrative arc for a character to feel like it like okay I'm satisfied with where that character's ended for better or worse um I've been really happy with the length that like a lot of the 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 dice Thunk seasons have been oh. which is in the sort of like thirty to forty episode range oh. uh like of hour to two hour sessions so like probably like maybe maybe eighty or so hours of oh. playing with a character is usually a, enough time for me to you know take them on a good arc and. You know, be like, I feel like I'm done with you. I'm ready to to move to something else. I honestly don't know how to answer this question because I have only rolled one proper RPG character. Yeah. That I really cared about and wasn't just for a one shot on something. Yeah. Um, And I have managed to play her, what, two or three times, two or three sessions with you and the nerds. And one session on the goblin's feet. Yeah, so like four sessions. Like I've played four sessions with one character. She's not done much in the way of leveling up. Yeah. Um. She's not really had any chance to really flesh anything out. So I couldn't say I'd. Li- I like the idea of like being able to play D and D to a point of like just experiencing more of what high level D and D has to offer. Yeah. Because like I lo- I was looking through the monster manual for the one shot yeah. that we're doing. Um. Just, like, there's this stuff in here that I yeah. don't think I will ever get a character to yeah. see. Like, certain types of dragons, yeah. Tarrasks, things yeah. like this. It's just, like, they are, they well, are so overpowered. Here's, here's the thing. Like, the group that, like, when, when I DM and mm-hmm. and you play, um, and I, we don't get to play terribly often because yeah. it's getting a group of people in the same yes. physical location, and particularly this year, that's a fucking nightmare. But, mm. um... Like, I deliberately got everyone to start at, like, level one or very uh, very low levels for that campaign, because a, for a lot of people at the table, it was their first time playing, and I didn't yeah. want them to be overwhelmed by the amount of things that they could do. Yes. But, like, if I were to start a new campaign with that group of people and oh. with you playing again, I would probably go, like, look, let's start everyone's characters at, like, level nine. It um. Be like, hey, look, let's start you at a point where you have quite a lot of stuff you can do. mm so that you can play a bit more around with having, like, lots of options. Which is, like, not not a thing that you necessarily want to give to players on their first time playing, but it's quite nice to drop players into a character who has lots of utility from 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 the start. Also, I feel like the nerds are a group where you wouldn't get anyone going, I'm going to min-max the fuck out of my character! Yeah, exactly. So I take 20 turns and no one else gets to do anything. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing, I... I I hope that at some point in the future we can we can wrap up everyone's individual stories with that campaign and mm-hmm. go, like, let's start something fresh with new characters yeah. and start at, like, you know, maybe level six or seven or something. Mm-hmm. You know, with a bit more starting stuff. Yeah, I mean, how far have we got you up to on Polyamory now? You're six or seven? Uh,
0: eight, I wow.
1: believe. Yeah, I think we just hit level eight because it's an ability score improvement level. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm starting to get to see what characters can be like. Yeah, I'm starting to find that the the things I think are going to be kind of challenging aren't as challenging as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. The more levels your characters, uh, your players have on their characters, the more that they can just like sidestep things you'd set up for them because
0: yeah. they have so many
1: tools in their arsenal. Well, I mean, not just that. Like, I spent so much time at the beginning of Polyamory going don't kill them, don't kill them, it's a podcast, don't kill them. (laughs) Um, And it's starting to feel now like I'm going to have to be a little bit more harsh with you,
0: because
1: you're getting through things, even though I'm sitting there using the encounter calculator going, they can manage one character of level five, (laughs) and then I accidentally put you up against something of level eight, and you crushed it. Yeah. Um... Uh, Going back to the question a bit, though, like uh, the idea of playing a character lots and lots over time, uh, over many years, um, I don't think I could do that with one character, like back to back to back. Mm. Um, And I I don't know, like a weekly session. Yeah, Uh, and I'll say this: I I don't know how much of that is to do with um, the fact that I largely do D and D in podcast form, Mm -hmm. and there is like the weight of audience expectations that after nine months with a character, I'm usually pretty. Fucking mentally and emotionally exhausted, and I'm ready to leave them behind forever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but like, if I think back to say, like, season 3 on play- um, Dice dicepunk play- playing Valtari. I'm like, I've had long enough now. I could, I could see myself, you know, going and playing another Valtari campaign mm-hmm. set like after that last one. I could take them on a new adventure.
0: You know, yeah.
1: I've I've been gone long enough that I'm starting to feel nostalgic for like, oh, yeah, it'd be fun to go on adventures as them again. Yeah, I mean the other thing with the and it was the story of their life. It would also have to be the story of the rest of the the party. Yeah, and I just don't feel like my character is the kindest person that spends a lot of time with one party.
0: Yeah, that that's part
1: of it. Is like there is a limit to how much your characters can develop if they always have to be beholden forever to be part of this one group.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, I think I think a lot of my favorite like you know dice funk campaigns that have ended have been like. And all the characters had very vastly different things that they went off and did at the end of this narrative because, you know, we were all building them as their own people, not as the party. Like, don't get me wrong, they will probably still be friends with other characters, but people grow and people move on and and have different lives. And... You know, they talk about, hey, we should get together for a drink in you a tavern sometime. Or we'll meet in a tavern. Ah. I could see like, hey, let's get the gang back together for another adventure.
0: Yeah.
1: um, But not necessarily, well, that adventure finished, off to the next one. Yeah. That's just not my style. I like to to be able to put a neat box on a character and go, and that's your story. Mm-hmm. I think Actually, I think the longest running character I've ever had would be Trees.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I used have a lot of fun with trees. I would like to... I hope that we get back to that universe. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I stop hogging all the time with Polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> I like are getting there with Polyamory. I am really starting to feel like this could be a... May, maybe end up being like a, a Dice Funk length season. Are you going to do a, 30 epi- a 38 episode season? We've recorded, what, 20... 25? Yeah. Like, and I... I I don't know how much more story there necessarily has to be. Yeah, there's each each character maybe has, like, one let's do your loyalty mission. Maybe. And then go final encounter, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Heck. Maybe, who knows? We'll see. Unless I think of something in the Yeah, and then we go off on a massive tangent... Well, I, I mean, mean, we could take forever. We could just go explore stuff that you weren't expecting. I, you, you could, but you would come home to find everything had been destroyed by Thornton. A little bit. There is, there is that like time limit uh. set there, so that's going to be a thing. Uh, Alice asks, "Would you adopt a spider cat?" Hundred percent. That would be adorable. I mean, extra probably extra little leggies.
0: I mean, as long Can you as imagine
1: if 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 spider cat just did loafing. So, <gasps> Where did okay. you hide all those leggies? There's there's a cert- if there's a slider between spider and cat it would have to be far enough along the cat end of the slider like oh, I'm imagining like like a rounder body and but all furry all like cat furry all soft and bouncy and playful like a cat but just having of eight legs and a slightly rounded i like, i would thorax? have to i would have to see it to sign off on it <laughs> theoretically yes but i need to see see it and make sure i'm not getting huge uncanny valley vibes before i commit <laughs> although imagine getting turned around on it just, it's sitting in the <laughs> tummy doing like a full 360 spin and then back again without really having to like turn its body at all cuz it can just like Move one leg around, around, like a record, and then back again. And then maybe treadling you, make <laughs> <Like> pause. Oh, <Aww>. this <sighs> spider kitty. That's adorable. <laughs> um, Becky, too. Hi, <laughs> Becky, uh, What's your dream dessert? Assume you have an amazing chef at your disposal and don't have to wash up. Chocolate fudge, like, really nice hot chocolate fudge brownie. Mm-hmm. With some, like, real rich chocolate sauce. mm mm-hmm. Um, some really lovely ice cream. Let's say it's maybe like um, like a nice honeycomb ice cream or something. Mm-hmm. Uh served alongside uh, a big waffle with like maple syrup and then sprinkled with lots of cinnamon. I'm horny for that dessert. That's a good dessert, That's right? A good dessert. See, <laughs> I was thinking, still thinking back to those um, uh, caramel waffles. Maybe add a bit of cinnamon oh. and like a really fancy vegan um, like. Really vanilla like vanilla beam
0: vanilla. Yeah. You, like you can
1: see all the little vanilla bits in it. Yeah. <sighs> like not like a not too sweet caramel either, so it's not sickly. Yeah, yeah. But and like a really like fluffy on the inside, ever so slightly crispy around the edge as well. But sure, chuck a brownie on it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always up for checking the brownie aren't it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Omegon the Sane asks, the spacebar fell off my mobile keyboard. How shall I address it? Copy a space from a sentence on a website and control V every time you need to hit the spacebar. Solved. Uh, the way that many editors I know deal with the, uh, the, the E with the accent above it in Pokemon, is every time they have to write Pokemon, they just copy that E from somewhere and then paste it. That's just Alt-G-R and E. Yes, it is, but... I mean, not on an iPhone, but... <laughs> See, I know this. Yeah, on an iPhone, you hold down the E and it kind of brings it up, but a lot of people don't know about the Alt-G-R-E to get that E. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Paste in a space. Paste the space. Hashtag paste space. <laughs> Well, then, that is all of the questions. Yeah. Well, then, time for this. That's a bet by the sounds of it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social Justice Warriors. Social Justice Warriors? Yeah. yeah. All right, Harry. All right, Barry. How are you doing? Yeah, oh. not too bad. Not too bad. I am feeling sort of... Oh, I'm... I'm committed to it at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're in I, for the long haul. Yeah, I, I was in the long haul at the beginning. I had a few wobbly weeks in the middle, and now I think we've returned to my yeah. The, you yeah. come through the other side. This is normal now. Yeah, this is in fact the new normal. Yeah. I don't have to like it, but uh, I'm still locked down. So yeah. same, same here, same yeah. here. Uh, so, so I've been thinking. Yeah. I've been thinking this week. Uh, I've been dating some of the time that I've had, you know, it's all been quiet during yeah, all this. Yeah. I've been dating some time to brush up on my uh, my uh, British sign language, my BSL. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've uh, done, uh, done my practices, but I've uh, been pra- brushing up on my alphabet again because yeah. there never be a bit of fingerspelling to save you in a dodgy situation. Well, indeed, you know, if nothing else, you learn the fingerspelling and it might take a little bit longer, but you can perhaps have a conversation with someone. Exactly, you know, basic conversational signs and stuff like that. Um, it got me thinking about um, how it's a real shame that we don't just, as a default, teach uh, sign language as as a as a primary language. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like elementary school, primary school. I think yeah, you yeah. know it should be something you learn along with you know your your native language of your country. Exactly, because like is the thing, sign language is kind of unique in that you can if you start learning it from a young enough age when you're still you know forming your language skills. You can learn signs as you learn words and do the sign as you're saying the word and get to a point where the two just interchangeably happen, where you, you know, you can have a conversation while doing all the signs for that conversation as you go. And it becomes second nature, which means, you know, you could always potentially be having conversations that include, you know, include deaf people. Exactly, exactly. Like the the idea of a world where we uh we teach BSL from a young enough age that Well not just BSL, but yeah. whatever your local well, sign. Exactly. Language. We I say BSL here is somewhere oh, in, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. UK, but yeah. you know, your your local sign language. Yeah. It'd be really wonderful to just as a default, you know, everyone just signs along as they talk. Would be a wonderful yeah. thing to see. Yeah, It'd be. Great. yeah, It's a real it's a real shame that we have a language that is native to this country that is so rarely used by people who don't absolutely need to use it yeah and you know it's 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 a shame and it i imagine that makes being a deaf very much more isolating than it needs oh, to be indeed indeed uh, well, well, i've i've had times in my life where for various reasons i have gone almost completely deaf yeah and it's it's very isolating not just because of the lack of conversation but just just that whole shut off sense hmm. so to lose the ability to to communicate with people as well or or even to just you know just yeah. in, enjoy being around people talking it's yeah. uh yeah it's a, it's a whole extra thing to be isolated plus, from. plus it's super like even on top of you know being able to communicate with uh with deaf people in the community there are so many other like useful practical applications it comes up in you know like well,
0: have you In ever been... environment.
1: Exactly. You ever been at, a, like, a, you know, a, a, a rock gig or a, you know, or a night out partying and you're trying to shout to your friend and you can't quite hear him over the music? Just sign at them. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Good if you're having a day where you're just like, I'm just not... I'm a bit nonverbal right now. I can't do words. Well, when, when my... Anxiety, it's a really weird thing. When my anxiety is, is acting up, I do sometimes find that I become... I start to stutter and can eventually just go non-verbal. And it yeah. is... Very frustrating, but I have weirdly found that I can sign. Yeah, in that, well, you know, you write stuff down. Sometimes it's, it's, yeah. it's it's somehow different to using verbal language. Yeah, I don't know exactly, you know, what the the psychology or science is behind that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it is a whole thing of like not having to feel like I've reached just a, like a complete inability to communicate with people. To just have yeah. just a little bit of sign language. To be able to sort of convey what happens. I I would be very on board for teach basic sign language from primary school upwards and have just all all lessons just get to the point as a society where just everything is signed along with as you go. Yeah, and the other thing is I would like to see sign language lessons be free. Yeah. Because at the moment, looking at like going to a proper sign language class or getting any kind of qualification... The costs for that are astronomical. Plus, you have to go with physical locations, which are a bit spread out. Like, make make it more accessible to do, like, hey, maybe Skype into a sign language lesson. Yeah, and it's it. Yeah, it is prohibitively expensive at the moment. Yeah, to do it, and like, because I was looking, I I've, I've taken like cheaper courses and stuff in the past. Yeah, and I was like, well, how can I follow on from that? And then, like, looking at what like, a level two or three would be. Yeah. And to go and do, a, like, professional courses like that, they're upwards of a £1,000, and that's yeah, pretty much the same as doing any kind of college course. Exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, I cannot afford that. That's the thing. It... it... It would help if it was less like all or nothing. So it's like, oh, I can afford like you know 20, 30 quid to get started. Oh no, I've hit a brick wall. I cannot yeah. afford to keep learning. And it, the, I mean, the like the end of level three is like you've done numbers, you've done family members, you've learnt to finger spell, you've got like a little bit of conversational stuff, and yeah. then it's like, okay, that's where we're leaving you now. A thousand pounds for. What, I, I don't know how many levels there are total. Yeah, but like to to go if you want to go beyond that, and I haven't even felt with the levels that I've done that I've got that conversational. Yeah, yeah, In, you know, the, and the only way to then follow it up is just look up online language resources. Exactly, exactly. Which I've been trying to do. I've been trying to yeah. practice little bits daily. Watch yeah, online, there's a good you ones know. out there. Yeah. <sighs> uh, luck. God, was, like, so long since we had a real one of these. Once again, that first hug back is going to be glorious. Absolutely, mate. Uh, Uh, Right, I think I'm going to put the kettle on. As will I, I think. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, Laura? Yes? Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz at all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. I stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at twitch.tv slash laurakbuzz, uh, from 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific, laurakbuzz.com. Everything I post ends up there eventually. Um, I've got books. There's Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it's out now where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's Things I Learned From Barry's Butt, which has finally gone to the printer. Woop woop. After, like, coming up on two years of trying to make this book happen, it is finally going to the printers. Woo, woo. Starting to show up on some of the book websites as well. Like you can pre-order it on Waterstones, I believe. Nice. Heck. Uh, there's also Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of stories about just positive, happy, euphoric moments that have come out of being a non-cis person. And that is hopefully going to be out by next summer. I've written all my words for it. I'm mainly just editing other people's words. There's some other peop- There's another person's words on one of my screens right now. There's a now. whole other person. There's a whole other person who's written a story, and it's right over there. Mm. Um, I'm also on podcasts. Pixel Squirt is about video game character pornography. Uh, our episode about just men banging men is back up. It uh-huh. went back up. We, we managed to convince Pornhub that uh, Iron Bull from Dragon Age does not constitute sex with an animal. Um, So that was a fun fight, uh, I'm also on Podquisition, where we tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect, and uh, Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, they're all self-contained stories. I'm also on a DD podcast with you! A and d podcast that I am also yeah. on. Yeah, Why, that would be the polyamory that it we mentioned would be. earlier. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that and the other things you do. It's a fifth edition real play podcast, and and we have questionable morals. It's mostly set in the underdog for now. Hmm. A new episode of that went up last Saturday. They are fortnightly, and we are soon to get to some stuff that I am real freaking proud of, because... Like, we did season one, and that was my first attempt at, at dungeon mastering, and I wasn't great at it. But I I did okay. I created an interesting world, even if I didn't create necessarily the best of everything else. And then I had some time off, and I got a bit better at D&D, and I played some more D&D, and I dm some entirely separate games. And we came back and did this series, and I still wasn't great right at the beginning. But, like, as we get on, I think... I think we've got a pretty solid world going on now yeah. with some pretty interesting characters and yeah i'm really pleased with it and i'm really hyped for people to get yeah. up to pretty much where we are now yeah the many 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 months ahead of ourselves that we are episode nine just went up we've recorded 25 episodes so far so <sighs> but you've got a while ahead to look forward to don't yeah. worry there's plenty to... don't worry about getting into this series there is going to be plenty to hear yeah mm-hmm Uh, And one-shots. We've got some people coming on to do a one-shot. Yeah. We'll we'll be going up sooner than, like, six months. Oh, it's not going to be eight months from now. No, don't (laughs) (laughs) worry. Don't you worry about that. Uh, What else? I I have t-shirts on my Redbubble store. I have my own Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash radio. You can, for as little as a dollar a month, help me justify a 70-ish hour work week. Although, I have... Um, I have stopped streaming on Tuesday nights. I still stream on Thursdays, but my mental health has recovered so much more after stopping streaming on Tuesdays. It's quite a lot to try and finish this show and then wedge in a stream and then get to bed. Yeah. Especially since Tuesday is the night that is most disrupted sleep-wise because you're up recording Dice Funk. Yeah. And then there's just... It's, it's a Tuesdays, lot. Tuesdays are the day. Since I have spent that evening either just having an early night or... Getting on with some music stuff. My mental health has definitely improved. I'm glad. I'm I'm definitely feeling better about stuff. I'm more enthusiastic about my Thursday streams. Yay! Um, Yeah, I think that's most of the important stuff. Uh, Streamerlinks.com slash Janiac. That's J-A-N-E-I-A-C. And you can find all of my links to all of my things. It's real simple. I've got a Twitter. I've got a YouTube. It's all on there. Just look at that. Yeah. Lord darling yeah will you sing us out until next time be a stranger